0: Listening to KKUP Cupertino 91.5 FM here in the Bay Area and beyond the Bay at kkup.org, where we are streaming live all over the world, wherever you can get to a computer or a phone or anything like that. The next show is Out of Our Minds. It's the second longest running poetry radio show in America with me, Rochelle Escamilla, a.k.a. Poetita. First, we're going to listen to some music, um, and then we'll hear an interview with Hari Aluri. So here's some music for you. This is Elon. So that was Alon, and the song is Summer Love. And I figured it's a good time to play it since it's summer now. Um, so up next, we've got uh, I've got an interview with, um, with Hari Aluri, who is a poet. Um, he has a couple of books out, but the book we're talking about on this interview is The Promise of Rust, which is out of mouth fill press. So here's my interview with uh, Hari. So here you go. Enjoy. it wouldn't be poetry if there weren't technical difficulties so bear with me here all right so you're down in go. san diego what do you do in san diego
1: um you know i uh, i just finished my uh, masters of fine arts mm-hmm. uh, at san diego state university um, and i was also you know teaching a couple courses while i was while while i was there right now it's a uh, jobby job you ah. know
0: Let's see. Before we talk about your book, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? What's your story?
1: Okay. Um, I was. I mean, I guess. I guess there's a bunch of different ways to tell it. Uh-huh. But you know, well, I've been. My short version would be, I guess, you know, pops is from India, moms is from the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born in Nigeria and lived there for my young life, and immigrated to Canada when I was. 12, going on 13, just before grade Um, 8, you know, uh, immigration is a crazy thing, and that period of time for young folks is a crazy time, so the two of them kind of amalgamated in a strange way, where where, um, I I loved reading and writing as a kid, um, and kind of let go of those things for a few years, Mm. Um, and and, um, kind of was kind of driven away from a a a few of my passions, uh, came up in uh, an area that known to us as uh, South Vancouver, mm-hmm. which is kind of a uh, working to middle class neighborhood um, with a lot of uh, a lot of immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I grew up between Main Street and Fraser Street, and Main uh, uh, Main Street is like the Little Punjabi Market uh-huh. uh, area, and uh, Fraser Street is everybody's everybody's there. You know, essentially. If uh, if if they're anywhere in Vancouver, they also live near Fraser. Street. <laughs> you know we're all there. Um, right. So that was an amazing little um, uh, kind of like growing up in that in that neighborhood. It kind of placed a few of the kind of like ongoing themes that, that go on in my in my work, which is you know a lot of work on displacement, a lot of work on migration, um, yes. a lot of kind of like grappling with with uh, the ways of racism and, and yes. like and, like, brown masculinity kind of work based on the on the kind of struggles that we face um, and relationships in those pieces. And so all those things kind of, they come out of there, and it wasn't until my, my 20s that I kind of, um, through organizing, through anti-racist organizing, um, we, we were putting out this zine, and we had extra space, and the homegirls who kind of, you know, mentored me, um, like, side hat brown women, and we like, well... You've been talking about writing. Why don't you write something for it? And I was like, okay. <laughs> I really want to. <laughs> and that's how I got back. That's how I, like, fell into writing. And then, again, community organizing with this uh, Filipino community organizer. And <clears throat> in Victoria, I went to UVic for my undergrad, for my completion of my undergrad. Um, he was looking for a spoken word poet. And, mm. and I said I was one. And then I had to prove it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you're a spoken word poet, but you're also an on the page poet. That's right. That's and I don't right. know if there's a I don't know if there's a big difference. You know, I I was never part of the spoken word uh, world. I was I've always been a very quiet poet. In that, like, I feel like my poems exist on the page, and when I have to read them out loud, I feel a little nervous about that. Mm. Um, so, is there a difference between someone who performs as a spoken word poet and then how that translates into the page poetry?
1: I think. For me, at least, I believe that my um, my favorite work of my own lives in both spaces. Ah,
0: um,
1: and for me, that for me, the the orality of poetry goes back to kind of like the orality of storytelling and almost pre storytelling. You know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, I have a gr- I have a good friend who who talks about like how uh, metaphor was one of the first things that we learned to speak in, even before. We story, um, and I think that spoken word finds a way to live with both of those pieces, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. I think that uh, the I want I want the stuff on the page <clears throat> to you know to live by itself on the page, and to also create some kind of sound in the reader's sort of mind as well as. If they are the kind of person who, like me, kind of reads aloud in their head, yes, I want something like that to happen for them, yes. you know. And so, um, and so there's that. I'm also a bit of, you know, although although sometimes my poems have a have a loud energy. Um, I, I find my own quietness a bit more in poetry than I do in my regular life, so to speak. You know, right. community organizing and and like facilitating groups and working with young people and Mm-hmm. And then now, kind of teaching, is a bit of um, that has more of the loud part of myself, and so I, I search right. for a bit of that quietness as well on the page.
0: Right, um, and you know, and your book is coming out. I mean, your book, uh, The Promise of Rust, is it coming out or is it already out?
1: <clears throat> I mean, you know, you folks can folks can get it at the Mouthfeel uh, Press website. Okay, um, and I should. Um, uh, Maria Maloney, um, amazing, amazing community folks, and 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 uh, editor at, at Mouthfeel Press.
0: Yeah, um, that's that's what I was going to talk about. the The yeah. title of the press is Mouthfeel Press, and that's how I feel right. when I'm reading your work. Is it's give it fills my mouth, which is very that's, interesting.
1: I think she, you know, there's something about her ear, and mm. and she does, you know, a lot of a lot of the poets in in uh, at Mouthfeel are. Uh, bilingual poets and, and, and border mm. poets, either physically, geographically, or in some kind of emotional sense, um, emotional, psychological sense, and when we we had a reading in LA in the evening, and I felt that as well, I was like, oh, all of these folks are giving me that feeling when I when I listen to them, and that seems to be her through line, I don't know how she finds it, because the styles of the poets, there's a lot of breadth there, mm. but, but we do have that in common, there's that, I, I think that mouthfeel feeling is is there, and I, you know, as someone who comes from multiple languages, I do think that, that, that is a part of my aesthetic, is that, is that the way that words feel in my mouth as I, as I think them, um, is part of, is part of how I write, and how I read.
0: Yeah, great, will you read, will you read um, the opening poem for me?
1: sure. Sure. From the promise of rust. Here, he said, son. And he said it like soda pop cans, like the downpour on streetlights we love. Then we have a bus line steeped in kindness and trolley cruelty. The earth spins, something clogs. Bare feet teach streets the heavy lifting of beautiful women non-virginal laughter to a boy at 15, a boy who feels himself as thin as his baptism thread. Teach evening how city is at odds with night, how we must work with the wind to free ourselves from the wind, while years subside, more armored, more delicate. Like trees, I don't know quite what the shape of a bow resembles, but it's close.
0: Nice. <clears throat> Nice. Um, There's something about your work that reminds me of another poet that I was able to interview, who's this fantastic poet. His name is Mark Zegans. And Mark Zegans said in an interview, he said that he's very much interested in the way that words are created and then those words decay. Mm. And I felt that immediately when I opened your book It's, it's about the way words move forward and then how they, how they exist and the, how they decay
1: that's uh, that's a beautiful That's a beautiful insight, and i'm going to definitely um, since we're on uh, computers on the step a little bit, i'm like <laughs> looking them up as we speak but uh, i'll try not to go to go off on that what i um, The way that resonates for me is that um you know, in the sense, in two two senses. One in the sense that that, um, our English is partially the decaying of our other tongues. Mm. Um, And then on the flip side, our tongues bring a new decay and hopefully a new breath to English itself, you know. And I write in a way that I hope um, um, at its almost, at at my most um, ambitious I believe it is our work to change the English language to have more space for us to exist within it. Yeah. And uh, that would be my like my biggest hope for um for like, you know, as a form of sort of like displaced migrant decaying poetics. If I was gonna hear <laughs> <try> a <to> phrase as <laughs> <us>, talk.
0: <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. No, I think I think you're you're very right and you're you're on target with I mean the kinds of ideas that I think about. Um, I remember being in the MFA program at University of Pittsburgh and and being in the workshops. And, you know, I I often misspell things or I miss sound things Mm -hmm. because of the kind of upbringing I have. I mean, spelling was always hard for me. And this the way things are said, my my aunt's and family, they say chair. They don't say chair, they say share. You know? Yep,
1: yep, absolutely. <laughs>
0: and so I remember sitting in these classes and then people would say, oh, it's really interesting how you misspelled this thing. And I was thinking, oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this is the only spelling that works for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, you know, I mean, maybe maybe some people might argue that you're not being careful enough.
1: Mm, but I think that there's another form of care, which is, going back to sound, right, Um, are there ways, um, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, I've been wondering about um, the possibility of, uh, in future work, playing more with phonetics, Mm. you know, because, like you said, like, um, you know, when my dad says police or police, he says police, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And, um that's the way I want it to be in this poem where my dad says police, mm. you know? But mm. it can't be that way if I spell it the way that English expects me to spell it. Right. Um, you know, and um, and I mean, actually, in, in, in some ways, some of the, um, a lot of the uh, folks I've met who are, are amazing writers, uh, you know, can't or won't spell for you know, forgive mm. me. Um, <laughs> you know, they're like it's the language, it's the sound, it's the words it's it's a it's a there's a decaying of, of the language in a way where um where they're searching for different codes than the, than the codes that spelling gives us yeah like, and the word
0: yes and you know and, and that's actually you know it's for me, the misspelling or the misspeaking is uh, very indicative of the kind of poverty and the kind of lack of education that came from my community and continues to mm-hmm. exist in my community. So, mm-hmm. in some senses, to correct myself, I mean, I know that I can correct myself, but to mm-hmm. correct myself in the work of art. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you want your dad's police to sound the way your dad says it to yeah. correct ourselves. we are then in some ways giving in to that um requirement of us
1: it's, and it's and, and um you know to to keep with the word correct, it makes the piece incorrect mm. you know it, um, <laughs> it, you know it actually like discorrects it away from from its own truth, you know, and I do believe that um you know. Uh, for lack of a better phrase like poems have their own voices and they have their own ideas of what they want to be like they will resist um, you know correction they will resist for directions of editing Yes, you know and um, you know because as many folks have, have, have said you know the best work is when you find something it's not when you go to write something down that you already know it's when you find something out that you didn't know Right. And and I think that the only way to do that, or I feel the only way to do that, is that, um, is to almost have that belief that yes, the poem has its own voice, and it will make decisions of its own, you know, and it will show you when you are 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 incorrectly trying to correct it. I hope. Right. Shia, uh, sia, sia, uh, sia, or sia, um, s i y a. In one of the versions of the spelling. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, we come from, you know. We come from languages that have only been attempted at transliteration into English. Ah. My father and his brothers don't even spell their names the same. Mm. You know? Like, one of them will put uh, two O's for the O sound, and my father will put a U for mm. the O sound, you know? And mm. so transliteration is an always imperfect thing already, you know, or a perfect thing if, it, if, it's, if it's working in that decayed way that you're talking about.
0: Ah, very interesting. This is very good stuff. Um, so you and I met at AWP in Los Angeles. You were working with Vona, right? That's right.
2: That's right. And
0: I was there with Willow Books. And I think That's the right. thing that we're both sort of grateful about with Willow Books, Vona, and with Mouthville Press is mm-hmm. that they're allowing us and our voices, our incorrectness or our correctness to exist mm-hmm. in, in the world of American poetry today.
1: You know, those folks are so important. You talk about Willow Books, which, uh, you know, features Writers of Color. Mm -hmm. You know, you talk about Vona, the Vona Workshop, which is um, a Writers of Color workshop. Mm -hmm. Um, And and a press like Mouthfeel Press, which is largely folks of color on the imprint. Definitely uh, a woman of color running the piece, Mm -hmm. you know, and calling forward these kind of, like, like you said, these Mouthfeel voices, these border voices on purpose, you know, and all these folks are doing that on purpose, and they're yeah. doing it with um, with a knowledge of the terrain and the sort of inequalities and the oppressions and the suppressions mm-hmm. that that terrain inc- uh, involves, mm-hmm. um, and the and the and the forms of disclusion that that it, that it um, encourages. Right. Um, and and so these are folks who are making sure that um, there are responses. And like you said, they make available responses that weren't available otherwise. Right.
2: Um,
1: And I, you know, I really did, uh, when people talk about finding your voice as a poet, Mm -hmm. I found my voice through and after uh, the Vona workshop and the ongoing work that I did with the crew of folks that I met through Vona, that we would continue to do that work together. Um, And that's where I think I found my voice. And for them to have a space in which I could find my voice
2: um,
1: is a difficult thing that people, you know, a lot of folks, um, their biggest struggle, um, a lot of folks uh, who are folks of color, the biggest struggle they have when they enter an MFA program is to have, um, for lack of a better phrase, their their voice stripped from them before they can find it. Um, And for those of us who are lucky enough to go to spaces like these, and find that kind of encouragement where um, with the highest level of r- rigor, you can find your voice. Yes. You know, in a space that is as rigorous as any, and people are, you know, when I first went in, I was like, okay, so I'm going to bring a couple of the st- things I'm most proud of, and like some stuff that I'm working on, Yeah. you know? that's like an early, early draft mode, and I get in there and... You know, Sahir Hamad and like the rest of the folks were like, mm, "No, no, no, no. We're looking at the the strongest work you have. You will strengthen the strongest work you have, and then you got to bring everything up to that level." Right. You know, like this is um, this is this is heavy work. Now we're also going to ask each other the tough questions that become obfuscated in a lot of workshops. Um, I mean, I've been luckier than most in terms of having. Um, uh, Workshop folks at SDSU who, you know, recognize the existence of racism at the beginning of a workshop and speak to those things, you know, and also the advantage of having been to VONA twice and built community in between and done community organizing and those things. So being in a position um, where even if that wasn't there, I would have felt safer about my voice going in, you know, because Mm -hmm. I have that community behind my voice. It's like...
0: And you have the language, you have the, the, the jargon to talk about it.
1: Mm -hmm. And,
0: you know, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I started at Pitt in 2008, uh, you know, the language of writers of color was not, it, it did not exist the way it does today. No. And that was just in 2008. That's right. So, so I went in hearing all of this kind, of feeling the, the, the microaggressions feeling mm-hmm. like there was something about what was happening around me that didn't always feel right but I didn't have the words to express it and now we're sort of seeing the, the language form around us so the language around poetry about poetry and about the, po- the politic of being a writer of color is starting to flourish yeah um, which we're so lucky for And like you said You're lucky to have Walked into a workshop Where that language Was already on the forefront Of your existence
1: You know And um, and we, we have the You know We have the Vonas and the Willows And the Mouthfields And the mm-hmm. Kornimans mm-hmm. And you know The kavikanums mm-hmm. And the IAIA folks mm-hmm. All like Those folks and the, And really for me In many ways The community organizers That become those folks You mm-hmm. know because that stuff is happening on the ground. The language of that, the availability of the language of that on the ground in my daily life in Vancouver and in Victoria um, because of community organizing is where I hear it first, mm-hmm. you know? And to be, like you say, when we talked about that at that time, you know? Mm-hmm. To have that language, to be able to, to, uh, to name what's going down, mm-hmm. you know, and to be able because if you can't like you said if you can't name it then how do we propose solutions or how do we like how do we rebel accurately you know <laughs> yes right how yeah. do we rebel accurately um, and that you know not to say that 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 just the emotion itself isn't isn't accurate enough in and of itself and we're talking about writing and so whenever our language um, is said to be failing us, we will be placed in a disadvantage, you mm. know. If we don't have the words for it, then um, the folks who are diagnosing things with, uh, with language that ignores these things right, will be the ones who are heard and will mm. be the ones who feel confident speaking. Right. You know.
0: Right. I mean, it's it's definitely interesting stuff. I mean, I'm so glad to be speaking with you and about all of this. Um, can we read a couple of more poems?
1: Sure. Do you have any other specific? Um, uh, I do.
0: I want to hear. Specifics? Um, in a time of war, on page five. All right. Well, we'll get back to the interview in a min- minute, and we'll hear Hari Aluri read from his uh, book. Um, But for now, I just want to let you know that you're listening to KKUP Cupertino here at 91.5 FM in the Bay Area and beyond the Bay at KKUP.org, where we stream live all over the world. And those of you who are listening to this poetry radio show tonight, I want you to know that this is one of the longest poetry radio shows in America. And every week for one hour, there is public radio set aside for poetry. And I'm fortunate enough to be able to call poets forth and have them talk about all the things they want to talk about. And if you like what you're listening to and you really feel that poetry needs to be in the public sphere, then um, you should join KKUP. Become a member today. If you're listening on your computer, you can just click join now and become a member. If you're listening um, from your car and you're walking to your house or you're in your house and you're near a phone, give me a call. I'm here in the studio. I'm listening, I'm, I'm answering phones tonight. So give me a call here at 408-260-2999 or 831-255-2999. Again, those numbers are 408-260-2999 or 831-255-2999. Now we'll get back to the interview.
1: All right. In the time of war a woman who kills and cannot bring herself to kill. A war has changed this valley's shape, this grass beside a woman's lungs in a time of war. And the streets are at odds with a woman's calloused feet. In a time of war, a woman beside the animal she eats. The hunter is the one who kills and cannot bring herself to kill. All the streets of a country watch A woman turns in their sleep
0: Nice What are you thinking about here?
1: You know um, This book All of it Is, um, is a book that surprised me And how it came to be Okay um, It's my You know My, my general process is to go at an empty page and try to write um, into that space. My practice, actually, when I open a when I open a, a new, a brand new empty notebook, mm-hmm. the first thing I do is mark it somewhere with a squiggle, so that there's nothing worse I can do. <laughs> um, like I'll just like wreck a page on purpose <laughs> right away. You know, because I mean, how much fear is and the empty page is, is a fearful thing for writers, you know, yeah. and artists of all sorts, yeah. you know. And I've, you know, I say this to uh, to folks that I've worked with. I'm like brand new, brand new notebook. I think the first thing you should do is mess that up immediately. <laughs> you know, then you know, turn to any page and mess it up. Maybe the first one is the best one to mess up. Turn to like a random page and mess it up. So when you get to it, you see, oh, that's the page I messed up. (laughs) Um, and then you, and then you work from there, you know, and (laughs) then after that, you're going to put down like, you know, words that you spell however you spell them, you know, (laughs) whether you write them down or someone scribes them for you or you speak and someone writes down for you, which I think is a beautiful way to write, um, you know, um, and then this one, I kind of like was just reading a lot and writing stuff down off of what I was reading and just really kind of, um, lines and lines and lines and um, you know it was something that I talked about a lot with uh Ilyaky is one of the mentors and and uh, professors at San Diego State and he was like do what what happens when you when you do this? you know? And I asked myself what happens when I when I did that and so I end up I ended up with a lot of these pieces and like we we, we, we sort of hinted at this before, you know, your obsessions find a way to bubble up no matter mm. what, I think, you know. And I found that in a in a cool process that I had done um, like in 09 or, or 2010. Mm. Ching and Chen um, uh, gathered some folks together for the collaborative mm. manifesto remix project, and we were like set, we were cannibalizing each other's lines day by day. Mm. And when we did that, I was so surprised that, like, what I'm obsessed with was almost clearer than when I go to sit down and write. Ah. Uh, you know? And so this happened. And so in this process, we, I just kind of was gathering and gathering. And then I was looking at a page, and a few of these lines were on that page. Ah. You know? And they are kind of, in some ways, um, kind of that opposition piece is a response to... I've got it written down somewhere, and I think in the actual text of the book... Um, where some of these pieces come from, my my inspirations for them. I am going to look at elements of uh, Taddeus uh, Rosowicz, mm. Adonis, and Muhammad Al um an amazing uh, amazing poet. Um, and, and it was this kind of like res- responses and fragments
0: yes. that
1: that kind of built together. And The whole book, you know, it. I I w- I hope and I feel that it feels. Like like almost a single poem in its own way. Yes. At the same time, it's built up of these kind of fragmentary but related, um, you know, the, the the thing is full of decay and the thing is full of collage. Mm. Um, um, yes. And at the same time, again, it's full of, of uh, it, it, at the same time, I hope that it feels... Feels holistic while being full of those things at the same.
0: Time. Well, I think that's what I what I felt when I was experiencing the book, and and I actually appreciate that very much. Um, one of the criticisms I received on my first book was that it didn't feel like a first book because it was too constructed and it worked from the beginning to the end in a way that felt um, like it was. I guess too well well put too well put together to be a first book
1: <laughs> you're supposed to just be trying... yeah you know that's an industry thing, right, like the first book should show certain expect the expectation is you will show like six different forms, yeah, and exactly. then you will have like you know right like it'll be it'll have these types there'll be these four types of poems that will be the dominant types of poems in the first book, and they'll
0: rotate through
1: they'll rotate through, and yeah. you know the pattern will be more of uh, shifting back and forth between those types of poems as opposed to uh, a construction. And I mean, right. you know, it can all books can be anything, right?
0: Right. Well, and that's what I was saying. They what could- I like about your book is that it reminded me of the way that I want my readers to feel about my book, which is that this is a fragmentary, memory-based, positional, piece of work I'm asking my reader just as I think you are asking me to place themselves in the world of the of the poems in whatever way they see fit and find the pieces that they can find and find and 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 hear the things that we are trying to say through these complicated utterances
1: I like that these complicated utterances and this um you know, the, co- the complicated utterance of this piece is partially um, one of the things, speaking of first and, and ongoing uh, thematics, you know, uh, in my first book, one of the things I don't think I quite got across or in or whatever the word is, embedded or embedded or, or mm. um, you know, is for me, one of the, the one of the, prevailing uh, emotions of our contemporary time is a constancy of war, (laughs) Um, the constancy of it, you know, whether you are completely immersed in it as a large population on the planet is, you know, know, and it's always obviously affecting the poorest folks, Um, it's always affecting women more, it's always... Um, affecting um, folks of color more, you know. Yeah. And that's the way that our like, war in our world um, is designed. Yes. Um, and um, uh, and and that was something that would, I wanted a sense of in, in in this book to have to have this kind of like it's always in the f- foreground and in the background, and even when it's not in the foreground, it's around and when we don 't sense it it 's there, um and at the same time for this, i went um for this piece i I wanted to or i went i i was pulled by the by the lines towards um someone immersed right you know inside that
0: and what i noticed what i what stuck what stuck to me the line that stuck to me that I wrote down um well I didn't write down a line but I said that I felt like the landscape that you were painting was altered physically by just the word war itself Mm -hmm. how how you know I live in Monterey Bay Area you live in San San Diego we Mm -hmm. see we see beauty in the landscape around us all the Mm -hmm. time we're very fortunate Mm -hmm. but if you see that beauty and you interrupt it with a word like war and if you're a poet and you're a reader of poetry, and you're sensitive to that word, then the landscape will alter around you. It yeah. has to.
1: That's, um, that's an amazing insight that I almost want to just sit with for a second. <laughs> um, in the sense that, you know, it is, it is, um, then your eyes will not be able to take in the landscape the same way. No. You know, and I'm looking out at a, you know, I'm looking at, you know, it's sunset colors. The sun is like shimmering in like bamboo leaves or (laughs) a combination of of shadows. Um, There's there's the dapple of like, you know, leaf shadow on a wooden floor has this dapple, you know. And then, and when you said that, I'm like, yes. What I saw instead was, you know, Again, San Diego is also a military city, right? So what I'm I'm seeing um, I'm seeing the bamboo and the dapple, and I'm also kind of like what I'm picturing is kind of like these like these like vast armored ships, yeah. You know that are out there in the bay, um, right. And I um, so what yeah, at least attentively to speak that word means that the landscape will alter.
0: Yeah. Anyway, that's fantastic about your work. Um, I have another poem request, if you don't mind. Please, I would love
1: to follow your request. Uh,
0: Page 9.
1: I am writing to you from a bar stool on 3rd Street. You must see this. The trees do not tremble. They have a ridiculous number of taps. Some people here have stories for veins. Between us, the dancing of bartenders calling on their smiles every time they face our way. Whenever one changes a keg, I notice a well-dressed patron on the end of the bar. I gender as a woman, mouth a prayer. I count the seconds it takes. The barkeep returns too soon to have unshot the line, and I shove off offended. Nearby, in the phosphorescence, soldiers pick their teeth with egrets. Orca try to wash off oil slicked gulls. Drones have their homing devices installed.
0: Oh, man. You slammed me with this one. <laughs> Are you there?
1: I am. I am. Right, Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you. I, yeah, the, it, I mean, I haven't read it out loud, this one, before. Um, um, and... It, there is a way that it kind of it kind of hit the, it kind of thumped me in the chest uh, a yeah. little bit to follow it down this page.
0: Well, you know, in the second stanza, when you're talking about the, you know, the phosphorescent, the soldiers pick their teeth, and that line break that pops right into the animism of bringing, bringing these animals into it. The egrets, I love it because it's wordplay on regrets. Um, I love that the orca, you know, because. Uh, I've always I've always thought that if I wasn't a human, I should have been a whale. Right. <laughs> and but also the kind of violence that exists in the beauty, which mm-hmm. is what we were just talking about.
1: Mm-hmm. No, you um, calling that that poem for was a was such a natural transition from, from what we had just said, um, and that, like you said, those the way that sounds are inside words, which means that they always mean more than what, what, what they are, you know?
2: Mm.
1: Um, um, and yeah, you know, whales are beautiful.
0: <laughs> they sure are.
1: Right? They, <laughs> yeah. are.
0: they
2: are.
0: I mean, what kinds of influence do you have from your culture or what's your po- poetic lineage? Like, who do you read inside or outside of poetry that affects your work?
1: You know... Um, it's, a, it's a wide and long lineage.
0: Right, I'm sure
1: It is um, And I'm trying to um, I'm trying to read in new ways uh, These days all the time I'm trying to I'm trying to get What I'm trying to get better at Is Picking up a book And beginning to read it And starting to see Almost immediately what it calls for in me. Ah. Um, And that is what, I mean, and sometimes it's a surprise. It's a a surprise. Like I opened a book. I'm looking around actually, you know, right now. Um, It's a book I've had for years. I got it uh, at a writer's conference in Port Townsend years and years ago I love the title of it. I never really read the book. I wasn't ready for it at the time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and then I picked it up like yesterday or the day before, um, and, and I learned this from. Uh, um, and I mean, I write. I write in the books that I read. Oh, me um, too. My books I, are completely I, um, destroyed. Right? Like <laughs> they're like they're coda for you know yeah. we're students of them. We can't. Yeah. I mean, you know how many. When I was uh, when I was landscaping, one of my uh, one of the this guy I worked for, I think his name was Jeff. It's a bunch of years ago. I forget his name, but he said this that was amazing. Uh, we were we were laying down bark mulch, and bark, bark mulch itches the hell out of you, and you can almo- <laughs> you can never actually wash bark, bark mulch out of this shirt that uh, it has that it has gotten into. Uh, like that shirt is a bark mulch shirt from then on in my life. Um, um, and he said, "Whenever possible, handle once." Uh, and uh, and and one of the coworkers is like, "Like what?" And he's like, "Anything, materials, like things that you're handling, whenever possible, handle once."
2: <laughs> um,
1: and I've had these long processes of, like, you know, I'll read a book, I'll mark it, I'll transfer it to my computer, mm-hmm. then I'll make notes on that, you know? yeah And it's so much more effective to just take a pencil and mark it the first time, <laughs> and, and like, you know, if you could see right now, you would see um, a, a two-sanza poem on page eight of uh, the book Burnt Offerings by Timothy Liu. <laughs> uh, I know that book. And like uh, the the full left margin is like whatever my next poem is going to be. That's the full <laughs> left margin. And then and then underneath he has spacing between um, um, the bottom of the of the second stanza and like the rest of like and the bottom of the page. And then the the writing turns sideways and goes down that <laughs> way. You know. Oh I yeah. Mean, so you know who I'm <laughs> reading. It's I'll I'll say a, f- a few things. I'll say. You know, at at the beginning of it, we're talking about um, so here, Hamad, Chris Abani, uh, mm-hmm. Avan Jordan, mm-hmm. um, uh, Matthew Shinoda.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, those are the folks who I first came to uh, to 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 the page with. Uh-huh.
2: You
1: know? Um those are the those are the folks who I first kind of like. I uh, really was like those are the first poets I studied. Mm. you know mm-hmm. um, and then a whole a whole a whole crew of like spoken word and like hip hop cats uh in mm. Vancouver when mm-hmm. i was coming up there and then you know hip hop music in the 90s as an immigrant kid um right my guy um uh rest in peace uh Jean-Marc Daga
2: <laughs>
1: uh, he, um, he, he has a line that's like, i I'm immigrant searching for identity. So we adopt hip hop and rock the assembly. And that's everything. Like that line is everything to me, uh, you know, that line is everything to me. And no, also the assembly line, you know, like that, that worker piece, uh, it's everything to me. And so, you know, so hip hop is all over my work. Um, and then, you know, in the years since, um, in the years since, the breadth is just, like, it's, it's grown a lot. You know, and I'm missing a bunch of folks. I'm missing, you know, my crew of, uh, sister brethren, you know, um, right. Cynthia Oka, Dewey Oka, Dewey Oka, uh, David Maduli, my compadre, literally, you know, uh, Seve Torres, family crew, um, a whole, a whole crew of those folks, uh, Miriam, uh, Ching Lui who just sent me, um. Her her novel com- completed, um, like that crew I kind of built with uh, Liz Huerta, who mm. uh, who I love and who um, you know who we like sit on uh, late nights and, and 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 work with each other's stuff and and you know our conversations in many ways our conversations are this book you know right conversations are this book um, and then you know I feel like and then going back to uh, negritude. And actually, recently, a lot, of, um, a lot of Arabic women writers uh. writing in French for some very specific reason. Uh-huh. Um, but also, I find generally that um, um, I find a lot of my, I find a lot of resonance in the experimental work of poets of color uh, who live in the majority world. Uh, um yes lately a lot and that was it took a while to get there cuz i didn't realize how much i loved the um you know the post surrealist uh or surrealist edge or pre that word edge you yeah, know yeah, yeah. of 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 a majority world poets you know
2: yes. and then
1: again you find a lot of um a lot of eastern european poets are are poets of war and poets of displacement right you know and poets of language and and and, and uh, kind of like minoritarian poets within their own world We're you just,
0: know there's just there there are uni- there's a universe of of writers that exist that are pushing boundaries in the sort of minority world but have not for whatever reasons been able to make it into the mainstream conversation yeah i don't know if that's where we exist i mean do do we want to exist in the mainstream conversation is it important to
1: us Hmm. i um you know i my response to that is, is is an interesting multiplicity because in a sense you know like for example like when i when i think of um I think of like almost my first first thought I had was, and you know that we both grew up with 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 Motown records in the air, right. and and oh, yeah. Motown reached the mainstream consciousness in a way that allowed yes. um, all sorts of folks of color and all sorts of working class folks um, to to like resonate with their own emotions in right. a way that was previously in, um, unavailable, right? You know, and so. Um, I don't know if the question is whether we want to or not. Um, I think it's. I mean, I. I love to kind of, in a, in a sense, leave that up to the. Uh, leave that up to the ether. You know, yes. and every. So often, you know, I'll hear I'll hear someone drop a poem, you know, and having music as my as my grounding, uh, as my groundation, and thinking about the homeboy David Maduli, who's a DJ, along with his partner, who's a DJ, you know, DJ Zeta. They have this like night in Oakland every every month, and they kick it, you know. Oh, really? And um, um, and he's an amazing poet, and and you know, every so often I'll hear a poem, and I'll be like, oh, I do need to write a club banger, you know. <laughs> Like I do want a poem that makes me makes me go ah! yeah <laughs> you know you know that doesn't mean it can't be the same poem that that rocks the block or the same poem that um has a multiplicity of emotions and tones within it, you know yeah um D- and and we have this moment of of uh you know some amazing um writers of color um uh, and amazing black American writers, right now, which is an important oh, thing yes. to acknowledge. Uh, um, well,
0: I mean, I who learned. Who are
1: bringing it, you know?
0: Well, I learned, I, I mean, one of the things that is something that I grapple with as a brown woman or Mexican, Chicana. <laughs> is mm-hmm. that most of my education, most of my writers of color education comes from the African-American community. Like you yes. said, Motown, hip-hop, yeah. rap, all of that stuff, and, yeah. and then... In move, the black arts movement. Yes, and in the black guys. arts it's movement, black fire, yeah. yeah. Harlem Renaissance all of that that's where my education comes from so I am a you know obviously an ally of that movement we get to clump ourselves together because we're writers of color but in reality their struggle is always going to be different from the Chicano struggle struggle which is different from your struggle no and but see these they are the the recognition the final and thankful recognition by the Academy of Black writers in America like Claudia Rankine and putting her in the front at LA and letting her make those people in the audience feel uncomfortable about their positions in education and their positions in the academy, allowing her to say things with such intelligence and such dignity that there is no way that anyone can argue with her. Putting women of color, black women and black writers in the forefront in America makes it possible for other subgroups who have not been able to it allows us the opportunity it creates a path for us
1: Mm -hmm. and that's um it's it's a powerful important beautiful beautiful piece and uh, and i think one of the things that i heard when you were speaking was these like points of contact you know recognitions Mm -hmm. and recogn and recognitions of specificity of experience we need them both yeah absolutely Um, need them both, and I mean, you know, um, one of my ma- one of the old school cats, um, Carlos Bulosan, is this you know migrant worker Filipino writer who, you know, was s- so crucial to the consciousness of so much Filipino organizing, which in Vancouver seeped in into my writing consciousness. For example, you know, mm-hmm. um, and you think of folks like that. Yeah, um, and I'm thinking of there's this cat who you know I didn't even really know about him until I was looking at the Kaya catalog. And, um, Kaya bless them are going to put up the study next year, which will be the full length book. Uh, um, and um, I am, um, you know, Jose Garcia Villa, who um, we have many differences in our in our in our thought in our writing. But here's this kind of like ancestral uh, Filipino writer mm. who was killing it um, when the modernists were coming out. Right. You know? And who was doing these uh, experimental, um, wild experimental pieces. Um, I mean, I almost want to, if you don't mind, I almost want to like go ahead. Read one yeah. of his pieces if I find one that just kind of like speaks am so very am, and speak so very speak, and look, my every hand is for each all lover's sake, and now wherever time, one word, can further never go, tomorrow cannot climb over each least lover's brow. And it's just like, you get that mouth feel, yeah. you know, that <laughs> mouth feel, and, uh, and his line breaks, and the way that he's like, you know, dissolving the language,
2: right?
1: Um, are, 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 are super dope, and he was writing like, back in the day, you know, and there's, there's a beautiful book um, called The Anchored Angel that Kaya put out that is edited by Eileen Tabios and it's got also a bunch of reflective essays on his work at the end of it, you know. Um, anyway, so yeah, when you talk about, you know, specific experiences, and at the same time finding those ancestors within the communities that um, that are your direct communities, right? Um, and, you know, the um, and you know, Chicano women are doing some amazing poetry right now, um, and and having like you said those those points of contact, the everything dignity that um, that Black poets are bringing to the moment, and having um, the possibility of our. Um, of 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 our work be part of of a changing of the language and a changing of what's available to yes. not just us but like you know uh Liz always says Liz Huerta always says she's like sometimes I'm writing the the books I wish existed when I was 13
0: Yeah yeah not to mention yeah. the
1: ones I wish existed when I was twenty two, you know? Well,
0: yes. And I mean I, I mean and this and and this demand for change in the landscape of poetry is the same it, it it's um it's an imprint. It can be imprinted into every other form of media. I mean one of the things, you know, when people tell me they're always so surprised that someone like Donald Trump can be having such so much popularity, I say, how are you surprised by this? He is giving the media and the and everyone what they want to see and we, our voices, in so many ways, and our stories, our, our faces, our skin tones, the way we look and the way we look different from everything that's represented on in the media, they are muted and they're pushed out. And so it's not a surprise that that, that someone like Donald Trump can have such popularity. It's not a surprise because uh. we are deleted. We have been yeah. symbolically annihilated. And so... I- Demanding, I believe I believe that demanding that the publishing world that the Academy that readers of poetry and listeners of poetry demanding that they listen to the nuanced voices of writers of color is the first step to recovering and allowing America to actually be what America is which is mostly brown.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm yeah no well 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 said right like it's it is it's a, It's actually a transformation toward you know toward an a- accurate uh a nuanced and accurate version of the existence that already is yes and, um and in many ways you know writing can precede uh precede changing of transformation of conditions that we live in and sometimes it needs to um we have to change the actual is for that to uh, we've already changed the actual is in many ways for and now and now the writing world needs to catch up to to what already is
0: yeah very much so well anyway um you're listening to KKUP Cupertino here at 91.5 FM in the Bay Area and KKUP.org if you're listening from your computer in any other place in the world. Um, tonight's show is uh, was with Hari Aluri, who is the author of The Promise of Rust Out of Mouth Fill Press. Um, And you're listening to the second longest running poetry radio show in America called Out of Our Minds. And I'm here every week from 8 to 9 p.m. And I'm going to play some music. I'm actually going to play the same track that we were listening to in the beginning. Um, I had someone tell me that they liked it very much and would like to hear it again. So uh, this is Alon and it's called Summer Love. And listen in next week for another voice in poetry. And have a good night. Have a good week. And uh, yeah.